Summit Booth with Bryce Coon. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another college football preview. We were in Gainesville earlier this week. We make our way across the Chattahoochee River, someone who's familiar with the Columbus area, Jordan Hill. Uh, Jordan, I know you lived in Columbus for a little bit. You now made your way across the river. Um, you're covering the Auburn Tigers. First off, I know we have some Braves followers, so they're going to be very offended by the hat that you're wearing. Are you are you a Dodgers fan? Is that is that where that came from? I'll tell you, it's funny you brought it up, Bryce. So I'm a big Braves fan. My girlfriend oh, my is God. a Dodgers fan. So they played. We're recording. Uh, they played on Monday night, and mm-hmm. uh, the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers won that game, so we had made a bet <laughs> about who was going to wear the hat at work. So so I lost the bet this week. Hey, it's okay. We still got two more games in the series as of. Uh, as of right now, but man, the pitching gauntlet that Atlanta's got to go through this week is going to be quite the one. Uh, they pitch; they got to still face Scherzer and Bueller. Uh, listen, Jordan, we appreciate you coming on. We're doing kind of this run through of previewing college football, and I think, especially for you know our fan base, our listeners, and our viewers, right here in the city of Columbus, you know, you you've been here, man. There is a big Auburn contingency. So, what in your mind um, can fans? And, and this is broad to start off with. What is the expectation? What should they expect from this Auburn and this new era? Brian Harson and his coaching uh, staff comes in. I mean, there's a lot of positives, but I think there's a lot of unknown of what this Auburn team could look like. There's no doubt. And I think the thing to me is I know saying have reasonable expectations is hard for any fan base, you know, especially the Auburn fan base because mm-hmm. they expect so much. And obviously you see um, with the Iron Bowl, I mean, they, they want to be up there with Alabama. Um, but, I mean, I think this Auburn team can be quite good. I mean, my project, my uh, projection um, is eight and four. I think mm-hmm. that's fair. Is Somewhere around eight wins, I think nine wins, you're, you should be really excited. But I think they have the talent to be a really good team. I think that this defense has a chance to be one of the better ones in the SEC and, and really, um, by that nature, be one of the better ones in the nation. Uh, the question to me is really on the entire offense. It's going to be a new look. Um, you're asking Bo Nix and those guys to to do things that, you know, don't really um, line up with what they were used to under the Gus Malzahn era. Um, but as far as expectations, I think that you can – they should be able to expect Auburn to be very competitive. Um, you know, really, most of those games I think they should be in. I mean, uh, even the games I have them losing, uh, I don't know if they'll win that Penn State game because that's going to be a big challenge. But really, other than like Alabama and Georgia – I feel like you you really have a puncher's chance going into most of those games, and and you know I, I think they have a chance to to sort of get off on the right foot uh, to what Brian Harson is uh, wanting to build uh, down here in Auburn. It's definitely an interesting season, and I loved how you talked about uh, the defense has the potential to be great. This is an Auburn team that, at sometimes over the past five to six years, has been led by their defense. And it's kind of interesting. Gus Malzahn came in, and he had the uh, the offense rolling. This was a high-powered offense. Recently, that kind of hasn't been the case. There's been some inconsistencies. Um, and that brings me to the big question everyone wants to know about um, that doesn't involve the quarterback, this offensive line. They returned starters, but it wasn't the most impressive group last season. What are you seeing and what have you heard that makes and can give Auburn fans some faith heading into 2020 about that offensive line? Well, I think that there's a lot of potential, and I, I would not be surprised as they go into this season 
if we even see some more retooling or moving guys around uh, because, you know, we've gotten to see a projected uh, depth chart. Um, it's a lot of the guys that we sort of expected, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Austin Troxell has been a guy that's been impressive. Uh, Brandon Council, uh, Nick Brahms, Keandre Jones, Bradarius Ham. The big benefit for this line compared to last year, Nick Brahms is the only guy coming back that had mm-hmm. started. Um, they knew that it was going to, you know, there were going to be some growing pains. And really, as much as, you know, every team was affected by COVID, the offensive line was really affected in that they kind of had to plan during fall camp in case, you know, players missed time because, you know, we all knew that that was a, a real, um, you know, a real possibility. And obviously we saw that as the year went along, but they really talked about, um, last football season, Gus kept talking about that they had worked different groups. They hadn't really focused on one starting offensive line because they knew the chances were fairly high that, you know, they may go into a week and the left guard may be out or they may go into a week and the right tackle may be out. So I think that was really detrimental um, to, to how that line played. And I think having all those guys back, having that experience, um, I think it'll be nothing but good. I still don't think it's for sure a, you know, uh, something you can say, okay, we feel good about going into the season. Uh, but I think that there is some real potential and, you know, we may again see them retool and, and move a few guys around, but I'd have to say they like their options. And I think that they have really benefited uh, from having Will Friend, who's a guy that has coached in the SEC. I mean, he played in Alabama. He's coached at Georgia, coached at Tennessee. I think that that's going to, you know, do wonders for this group. Um, and, and, you know, that's probably the biggest question to me is that offensive line. But but they've got guys there, and they just need to sort of figure out what is the most effective lineup to, to go up against these SEC lines week after week because, you know, the game, as cliche as it is, the game's won in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And if you get pushed around, I mean, when I think about the Georgia game last year, I mean, they, they got pushed around up front, and, yeah. and that's why it got out of hand pretty quickly. So, um, so, so yeah, I think the line's got potential, but uh, they may kind of wind up moving guys around before it's all said and done. Well, one of the positions I don't think there is a question mark whatsoever um, is the running back position. It's it's one that's stacked. You and I both know Tank Bigsby from his time at Callaway High School, making the trip over. He is now emerged not only as one of the top backs in the SEC, but as a guy who's received some national notoriety as well. But – Another position that seemingly there might be a battle, there might not, and I'd love to get your input on this for some of the viewers because, as you know, the Auburn fans, they're fanatics. As much of SEC fans are, and college football makes it out to be, there's been a conversation of, will T.J. Finley see any time at quarterback and what could that look like? What has been your, you know, what have you taken away? What has been your position on this? And obviously Bo Nix, I I know the talent's there. The Bo Nix we saw his freshman year, you saw that. The inconsistencies plagued him last year, I felt like, as well as some, you know, offensive line play that wasn't up to par that was there his freshman year. But what's kind of the talk around camp and and, and up to this, you know, week one game that what I love about Auburn's schedule, it sets them up. They do get to tune up games before they get that Penn State game. For you, the quarterback position, is it just Bo Nix and that's it? Or does TJ Finley really have an opportunity maybe by that Penn State game if Bo Nix struggles, he could stick a claim there somewhere? I think I would be surprised, but that's not to say that it's not possible. I mean, I think that truly bringing in T.J. Finley, 
I think it did motivate Bo and, and, you know, made it clear that he had to earn that job. And, and I've said this a few times on different radio shows, podcasts that I've talked on, you know, this new staff has no ties to Bo Nix. If, mm-hmm. if, you know, TJ came in and impressed and, and clearly outplayed Bo, TJ would probably have the job. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, pressure on say Brian Harson to say, well, I signed this five-star prospect in Bo Nix and he hasn't developed the way I want him to, but we need to keep him out there. You know, Bo was not a guy that Brian brought to Auburn. I mean, obviously that was the previous staff. Now to say that, I think that bringing in TJ was a great decision by Brian Harson, by Mike Bobo, by that whole staff, because one, you immediately bolster uh, the backup position. I mean, you had Grant Loy, who was coming back, was going to be a super senior, played very sparingly in the time he's been at Auburn, and he was, he was at Bowling Green before that. You know, I don't know how how comfortable you would have felt if Bo Nix got hurt and all of a sudden you're turning to Grant Loy to, to really, you know, pick up the reins and keep things going. So you have that. The fact that TJ was a true freshman last year, because of that COVID year, mm-hmm. essentially he still got that extra year. I mean, for all, you know, all intents and purposes, he's a true freshman. So if they like what they see in TJ, he can be the quarterback once Bo leaves, mm-hmm. whether that's next year or if, you know, Bo decides to stay for another year with that COVID year. Um, you have TJ kind of waiting in the wings. Um, but TJ looked really good in fall camp. Uh, what I saw, you know, we would go out and get to watch about 20 minutes of practice. And we probably did that six or seven times during fall camp. I thought TJ looked good. He's a big guy. He's like 6'7", 246. I mean, he looks every part of 6'7", 246. He looked good, but, you know, we heard nothing but positives about Bo. Um, and, and Bo looked good as well when we got to watch. So my inclination is that Bo's the starter, but we could go out there in these games, and if they struggle, they may decide that, you know, they need to change things up. I think they have that option if they feel it's necessary. But for me, I would be surprised if that winds up coming to pass. Um, but I think they made a good decision bringing in a guy like TJ. We've heard really a lot of positives about him, and and I think that he'll do a good job kind of learning from Bo and, and really serving as that backup quarterback. I love what you said about that because quarterback competition is fantastic. We've seen that across college football, and depth is very important. You have no idea what could happen, you know, this week against Akron. And to have um, a guy with the talent of T.J. Finley standing in the wings, it makes the coaching staff feel a little bit more comfortable, I think, to have that there. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and this is something where I think Auburn fans can take a little more pride in because this is a unit that has been tops in the SEC, near the top of the SEC for years now. Um, to me, the linebacker position is going to be one that's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, obviously, you have Zokobi McLean and Owen Popo there. Those two guys combined for 206 tackles. I dare I say that might be – there may not be a better linebacker duo in the SEC with those two guys. But this front seven in general, I mean, I know there were some questions coming in, obviously, last year. When you lose a guy like Marlon – two guys like Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown, you're going to have to replace some big shoes. What's the feeling on that front seven? How disruptive can they be? Because we know causing havoc and making some big turnover type of plays is going to be huge for this season. I agree. I and mean, I think the front seven and specifically that defensive line, I think it's going to be the key to how the whole defense plays. And again, like I said, when we started the conversation, I think this defense has a chance to be really, really good. Um, I think they feel really good about the linebackers. I think it was Owen last week that said he would take their linebackers over anyone in the country, mm-hmm. which, of course, you know, you want him saying that. I mean, True. That's, that's the part. But, I mean, with him and, like you said, with Zacoby coming back, that's huge. 
Chandler Wooten deciding to come back um, after Oppenell last year. I mean, he wound up being named a team captain, which I think says so, so much about what he means to this defense. It means the whole team. I mean, you talk about a guy that chose not to be on the team last year. He was uh, waiting on the birth of his son, and obviously the COVID thing was still uh, really going uh, rampant at the time. Uh, for him to come back, I, I think that he'll play a really important role. Um, but, you know, they got Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, a few other linebackers, Joko Willis, a guy from Troop County. Um, I think that they've got a lot of depth at linebacker, and you have to like that. The biggest question defensively uh, is on the line. Uh, and, and, you know, I think they feel good about the defensive end with Chandler Wooten uh, or Chandler Wooden. I should say Colby Wooden. Colby Wooden. It, it, it's, a lot, always, it's a lot. Wooten, Wooden, Wooden. Between, yes. between Chandler and, and Colby, I wind up getting them mixed up half the time. Uh, Colby Wooden. Uh, he, he really impressed last year as a redshirt freshman. I think he showed you that he has the potential to be a really good uh, player on the front and a guy they can rely on. Um, they've done really well with some of the transfers they picked up on the defensive line. Uh, Marcus Harris is a guy from Kansas uh, who's originally from Montgomery. Uh, he played well in the uh, the time he was at Kansas. Uh, they've really spoken highly of him. And, uh, you know, some of the guys have pointed out that with him coming over from Kansas, it, you know, he had to prove himself. I mean, you know, obviously the Jayhawks football program is not up to par with what you would expect mm-hmm. to see in the SEC week after week. But, I mean, his teammates have spoken really highly of him, and and they talk like Marcus can, you know, kind of move around on that defensive line. I think that's huge because of some of the depth issues they have. Another guy, Tony Fair, is another transfer. Uh, he was at UAB. He's a guy that is like 330 pounds. Uh, he's like 6'1". Uh, but they've talked about, you know, as big as he is, that uh, he's kind of got deceptive speed. And, and I think that that could be a huge asset. I mean, that, that you can have that guy in the middle. It's really that middle piece, um, that nose tackle. If they can figure that out, I think the rest of the line will be fine. Um, but he looks to be in position there. J.J. Pegues, a, a fan favorite uh, that uh, I keep getting tweets about, asking about <laughs> if he's going to play quarterback. Uh, haven't had a chance. It's been right there ready to ask Brian Harson if he's playing mm-hmm. more quarterback. But uh, he's he's slated to be the backup behind Tony. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, his athleticism, I think, has impressed a lot of people. Um, and then besides that, uh, sort of the new position, I say new, um, you know, now Auburn has what they're calling edge rushers, which, I mean, sort of like the buck linebacker they had in the past. Uh, but Derek Hall, I think Derek Hall could have a really big year in this role. And that's been the thing that stood out to me when they've talked to Derek, you know, when the media, when we've had a chance to talk to Derek. Uh, he's talked about how he thinks this role is really good for him. That's a good fit and that he can kind of show off his strengths. And I think he's right. I think that he's got a chance to make a real big impact coming off the edge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the the front seven has a chance to be really good. If they can kind of figure out that nose tackle and really the whole, you know, rest of the defensive line, I mean, I think we could really be talking about this defense as one of the best in the conference when it's all said and done. Yeah, they've got a talented secondary. I mean, you, you got to feel good about what they have there with um, with some of the guys in the back seven. But like you said, man, if you can get some pressure, that's going to help this defense, and it helps your back seven. I love talking defensive schemes because it's so – Everything works together cohesively. Your your front seven plays well. That helps out your cornerbacks and your safeties. When you look at this team, uh, especially defensively, they brought in Derek Mason. We talked, you know, a little bit about the offensive side, and obviously they brought in Bobo, Will Friend as well. What does Derek Mason kind of set the tone for this defense? This is a guy who 
they go from the 4-2-5 defense to maybe utilizing a 3-4 and a 4-3. But when you look at what Derek Mason, just from an energy standpoint, has it kind of reinvigorated this team a little bit? Just I know he's 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 not he's kind of a rah-rah guy, but he was well loved at Vanderbilt. Kind of felt like he got uh, dealt an unfair hand up in Nashville. He's still a really good coach. Oh, I agree. I mean, truthfully, when I look at the entire staff, which I think on a whole, you know, Brian Harson did a really good job with his hires. I think Derek Mason is the best hire. I think that um, getting a guy with that SEC experience is huge. And, you know, even when Vanderbilt struggled up there, I mean, I can think about years that they would play Georgia and leading up to it, Kirby Smart would talk about just, you know, how smart of a defensive mind Derek Mason was. And I think you saw that. And I mean, considering it was Vanderbilt and considering, you know, they didn't have a ton of success. Obviously, they had their moments, but I mean, he turned out some really good NFL players. I mean, I'm thinking about Zach Cunningham and, yes. you know, I've, I, you know, the Patriots drafted a, a guy, uh, one of their defensive backs a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, he, he knows how to identify and put people in, in good position. And the thing that uh, has been so fun to see since he got here, I was just listening to some of the defensive players talk about him. I mean, I think that it's fair to say that they're really excited to play for him. When we first talked to Owen Papo in the spring, I mean, he was practically giddy about what mm -hmm. scheme, you know, what he thinks the linebackers can do in the scheme. Um, and just talking to Derek, you know, it's really interesting just to sort of hear his perspective. And the way he looks at, you know, his position and, you know, he, I think he's really excited. I think as much as I'm sure he enjoyed um, what he was doing at Vanderbilt and what the things they did accomplish there, um, you know, I think he sees this as a nice change of pace. And, and for him to prove to people that, uh, you know, he does know what it takes to play mm -hmm. SEC football and, and go up against some of the best teams in the country. And I think the Auburn defense is going to benefit greatly. Um, from him being involved and, and from him, you know, I think, too, being able to give the perspective to Brian Harson. I mean, mm. you know, you can look at what Brian has accomplished, and he has accomplished a great deal, but he has never coached, even as an assistant in the SEC. Uh, and I think he did a good job hiring guys like Derek Mason, like Mike Bobo, like Will Friend, that understand what the grind's like. Because uh, Brian doesn't know right now, but we can check back in three or four months. Brian will very much understand that it is a grind, and, and he's got guys like Derek that can be in his ear and can tell him what it's like and, and can kind of show him how you have to do it and, and do it in the right way. Yeah, that was something we discussed on our shows. Harson's hires were some of the best, I felt like, all offseason for coordinator-wise. Really love what they did there. Let's take a look at this schedule, and we were talking about it earlier. I like how it sets up with Akron, Alabama State, because Auburn gets a chance to get their feet wet. And that's no disrespect to those two programs, but this is a chance for Auburn to get its feet wet for what is arguably, for me, one of the top three, four, maybe we'll go top five non-conference games we're going to see all year, Auburn heading up to Penn State and Happy Valley. But then they get, come back home for Georgia State, and obviously uh, you know, that game has all the makings of the Panther fans saying, well, hey, remember what happened two years ago? And I think it was two years ago as of this recording date, they upset Tennessee and Knoxville. But they go on the road to LSU and they come home against Georgia. And then right before their open date on the 23rd, they go on the road to Fayetteville and take on Arkansas. What game for you, and it might be the Penn State game, I know that's been one that's been highly talked about, is kind of the litmus test for this program, where they at are or where are they at in year one under Harson? What what game for you is the big measuring stick for this program? 
I think it's fair to say that Penn State game, and I think it does matter. For me, it's actually the next week. I think it's going to LSU because I think that this is a vulnerable LSU team. I mm-hmm. think that they still have a lot of talent, but clearly we saw they struggled last year. And you think about the history with LSU, at least the recent history for Auburn. Auburn has just struggled immensely when they go to Baton Rouge. They have not beaten LSU in Baton Rouge since 1999. I mean, I don't know about you, Bryce, but I was five. I was two. I I do not remember what that game was like, but that is the fame and the infamous, I should say, cigar game Mm -hmm. uh, when Tuberville got the guys out there smoking cigars, and well, they haven't won there since. Um, (laughs) But I think that that can be a big game. I think that for you to start your very first SEC game, if you're Brian Harson, go into a place like Death Valley, uh, having a chance to prove yourself, I think that can be huge. And then, you I mean, you obviously turn around and play Georgia the very next week. Um, that, to me, is the game that I'm the most interested in uh, because the Penn State game will be one that a lot of us watch, and I'm sure that there will be plenty of stuff we can pull from that game. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter quite as much because it's non-conference. Um, I think the fact that you can go in there and play LSU, and I think you can beat LSU. I mean, yeah. when I sat down and – you know, went through all the games. I have Auburn winning that LSU game. I think it's going to be close. Um, But you can really sort of change that narrative of what this rivalry has been like. When you look at when uh, Gus was fired, I mean, part of the reason he was fired was he struggled against their biggest rivals on the road. He never beat LSU on the road. He never beat Georgia. He never beat Alabama on the road. This is a chance for Brian Harson and this new staff to get off on the right foot. And I'm sure that would be huge, too, from a recruiting perspective to say, look, this is not the same old Auburn. You know, we want to build a national title contender and being able to win games like this shows you that we're we're capable of doing that. So that's the game that really strikes me as as what you want to see. And not only from the Harson perspective, but also the Bo Nix perspective of that Bo has struggled on the road as well. And that would be a chance for him to go down there to Baton Rouge and, uh, you know, show out and, and really show that what he's been saying during the offseason as far as progress um, is actually coming to pass and, and it's leading to tangible results for Auburn. Jordan, if I have to give you one or two keys, what are going to be one or two keys for Auburn to be successful, whether that is eight and four, nine and three? What in your mind has to go right for this Auburn team? You can go one for offense, one for defense, however you choose. But what has to go right for Auburn to have a successful 2021? The two things for me, the the one on offense will be that somebody steps up and fills Seth Williams' role. And, and that's a lot to ask from an inexperienced receiver core. Uh, but it has to happen. I mean, Seth was clearly Bo Nix's go-to guy. You know, if it was third and seven, third and eight, you just knew that Seth was at the very least going to be the first look. It's not clear who that's going to be. They've got a few guys that look like pretty good options, Demetrius Robertson, Javarius Johnson, a few other guys in the mix as well that have played really well and, and shown flashes. But I think they have to get that guy that proves that, hey, you can count on me, that you know we can move the offense along because I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not clear who that's going to be. And it could even be a tight end if they decide that that's really the way they want to go and get the tight ends more involved. Um, but that's the biggest one of the biggest question marks around the whole team is um, who steps up among the receivers. And then kind of to go back to the point I harped on on defense, I think it's just the defensive line as a whole. I mean, you know, in some of the games that Auburn really struggled last year, which, again, you hit on this, 
you know, when you lose a guy like Marlon Davidson and you lose a guy like Derek Brown, I mean, you knew that there was going to be a little bit of drop off. But when you play in a really tight game with Texas A&M and give up something like 326 rushing yards, you're not going to win. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And uh, so they can't have those problems again if they want to contend. And and teams will, will take advantage of those issues if they are issues again. So I think it's just really securing that run defense and, and figuring out what this defensive line is going to look like, really the middle of the line. Those are the two big things for me when, when you look at both sides and what needs to go right uh, if Auburn wants to make some noise. I mean, you know, uh, Brian Harson when he was hired, I mean, it, it's very clear – what the goal is and what the objective is it's to contend nationally year after year. And Gus accomplished a lot in the time that he was at Auburn. But since that 2017 season, that wasn't the case. Auburn wasn't contending on that national level. Like they clearly want to be. Uh, Brian's going to get the chance to do that. And we'll be able to see in year one, how successful it's going to be and, and what it's going to take to get the team to where he wants it to be. Year one begins for the Auburn Tigers this week against Akron. Jordan, we appreciate you coming on and talking. Where can people find you and your coverage so they can uh, know all about the Auburn Tigers here in 2021 and beyond? Absolutely. Well, oanow.com is the website. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill. And you can also check out our coverage at AU blog on Twitter. So lots of content, lots of fun stuff. And uh, Bryce, I appreciate you getting me on. enjoyed talking and uh, just try to get this season underway, man. As much as I enjoy the talking, it'll be fun once we can get out there and actually see a little, uh, you know, see the guys back in action after a long off season. Yeah. And then see some uh, stadiums that are rowdy. Auburn has one of the best home environments and, Fingers crossed that everything can continue to be safe and we can get some of those amazing home atmospheres. Once again, Jordan, we appreciate you coming on. Have a great season. We may have to reconnect for some uh, game previews later on in the season. Absolutely, Bryce. Anytime. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, make sure to catch us on Apple Podcast and Anchor. Subscribe, set up those alerts, so when a new podcast drops every single Friday, you can be the first to know. Also, make sure to follow us on all social media at The Crowded Booth. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, make sure to follow our YouTube page, The Crowded Booth. Subscribe, set up those post notifications as we go live every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Last but not least, sign up for our free newsletter. Yes, completely free at thecrowdedbooth.com today as we give you the latest sports news happening around the Chattahoochee Valley area, regional, and national stories. Have a fantastic day.